This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, some trivia, and some menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is Revenge Gone Wrong. Yay! (laughs) Okay, let me get to my other notes. Um, While we've been releasing podcasts, we actually haven't podcasted in person for about six months. (laughs) So... I am hoping... Yes, it's season two. (laughs) Yeah, season two. Yes, I am hoping like a stolen bicycle that uh, we will remember how we do this. All right. So um, I am going to go first. Uh, Our first movie that we have is Memento from 2000. And uh, the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is Leonard, played by Guy Pearce, is tracking down the man who raped and murdered his wife. The difficulty, however of locating his wife's killer is compounded by the fact that he suffers from a rare, untreatable form of memory loss. Although he can recall details of life before his accident, Leonard cannot remember what happened 15 minutes ago, where he's going, or why. And our second movie... That's what we're doing now, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay, our second movie is Writers of Justice, a 2020 Danish uh, film directed and written by Anders Thomas Jensen. After a random series of events leads to the death of his wife in what seems to be a freak train accident, Marcus, played by Mads Mikkelsen, returns home to care for his teenage daughter, Matilda, played by Andrea Heikedeberg. I am so sorry about the Danish names that I'm butchering. Oh, this is, yeah. (laughs) Um. Uh, As the two struggle to deal with their grief, Marcus is given an outlet for his aggression when a statistical analyst, Otto, arrives on his doorstep with a theory that the train was purposefully crashed by a local gang in order to kill an informant who was set to testify against them. When Marcus goes with Otto and his fellow analysts to confront the man they believe to be directly responsible for the train crash, the encounter turns deadly, and this ragtag group of nerds finds themselves in over their heads as Marcus becomes determined to take out all the members of the Writers of Justice. (laughs) I wrote that myself because there wasn't really a good synopsis. That was great. (laughs) That was a great one. Let's talk about what these two movies have in common. Yes. Because that's what we do here That on Movie Matchup. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. Uh, so I think you paired these together. Uh, yeah. So um, very basically, the, both movies involve a husband seeking revenge for the death of his wife and uh, mistakenly taking revenge on the wrong person. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, yeah, in the case of Memento, it is sort of... Um, purposefully done we you find out by the end of spoilers by the way for both of these movies because i mean it goes without saying but yeah. yes <laughs> um and uh, in the case of writers of justice that is accidentally done but uh, the result is basically the same and that a bunch of people die who uh, don't really need to yeah they kill a lot of people yeah <laughs> uh, in this one because he thinks he forgets that he's killed anyone he yeah. would very much think that he is not a murderer until he kills this one person who he thinks raped and murdered his wife and then forgets and then just kills another person who he thinks is the same person that did that and so he just does that same process over and over and in Reddits of Justice it's just like well there's this gang that is responsible and anyone that is associated yeah fair game yeah (laughs) just we're gonna take them all out Mm -hmm. um and the movie does kind of soften both movies i feel like do kind of soften the blow because you're there aren't great people that that and that end up dead at the yes. end of this so it's kind of like well they're not killing the right people but it's not like they killed people who are are, are the most upstanding citizens yeah. um but uh yeah i do want to discuss as far as just dead wife trope as a <laughs> revenge setup. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> because I feel like you see it a lot in movies, um, either dead wife or puppy given to you by a dead wife. Or right, <laughs> no, yes. The, it seems to be very common, and I was trying to think of, it, it, in both of these movies, I feel like the wife is sort of, she's not really a character. She's not really around long enough to be a, much of a character. She's more of a plot point. Yeah, it's an inciting incident, yes. And uh, I'm... I was trying to think of cases where movies where 
a woman seeks revenge for a dead husband. And I was coming off very short. Can you <laughs> think of anything? Oh. Or even a dead family member. Yeah, that doesn't... I feel like we don't... It, it doesn't happen very often. I guess because, like, female action movies often are also, like, a female assassin. It's yeah. not typically revenge. And maybe that's because it would be hard for women. Like, it would be difficult for me to go around killing a bunch of men, mm. probably, because men just tend to be able to overpower me that if I am not given that sort of a bit like physical ability on my own to begin with, it would be hard to do that unless I would have to right. poison them or, you know, have to and create some sort of thing. we have had a couple of female assassin movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like they've they've pretty much stayed clear of like, if, if a woman is involved in a revenge story, it's going to be a rape revenge story usually. <laughs> yes, it's happened It's happened to her yeah. personally, yes, personally versus like another person has suffered and then, which you think would be the same though. The, yeah. the idea of I uh, have been raped and or you have left and left me for dead mm-hmm. and then I come after you would be the same as if you murdered my child and then I was going to go after that person. And, yeah. I, I, and uh, all I could think of in regards to a woman who seeks revenge on behalf of a dead family member was Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> oh. Which is not exactly the same framing as we get for these movies. No, no, it is not. Because you don't know it's a woman. You don't know it's her. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there's an opening there, guys. If anybody wants to make a, a female-led, you know, a, a wife seeking revenge for her dead husband or a, a mother seeking revenge for her dead child, Yes, feel free to do that. Yeah. Please don't have the woman be raped. Yeah. Also, like if you could not do that, but then she could just yeah. Like I won't I won't throw all rape revenge stories under the bus. Like I can I can enjoy a rape revenge story, but it has been done many many that, times. Yes, that's what I mean. I'm I'm not yes. Yeah. <laughs> Going forward, you could start one now. It's certainly you don't need to make a movie now about a woman who is raped and then needs to yeah go out for for revenge. Um, but both of these movies also I feel like take a very uh close look at revenge as a concept and what value revenge holds if any (laughs) for people um because in both of them it's sort of about the futility of of the act um in in memento very overtly because he can't even remember it and in reality revenge is only the only value of revenge is for the person who's committing it (laughs) Yeah, both of these people, when presented with the fact that their revenge is not valid, do not handle it well. No. Um, one, actually, I do think uh, that Marcus handles it better mm. because at least he he didn't go out seeking this information. This information was presented to him. And then as a way to cope with it, uh, his wife's death, it's like he has something that he can actually do about it. He has a group of people that are bad people and he can take you know he can kill them and go after them and and that's something that he can do because he can't emotionally help his daughter deal with the loss or like deal with it himself yet whereas um leonard just chooses he's presented with the information and actively chooses to not remember and Mm -hmm. that he is going to just go out and kill again he chooses to just do that where I, I can understand Marcus's yeah. place in, much, much in more. In both cases, too, the men are sort of turning to it as a, a way of n- not dealing with emotions <laughs> regarding the their wives. In, in Memento, because he really, like, he he has a whole monologue about how he can't really deal with it because for him it's it's like it happened just a few minutes yeah. ago. And so he's, he's just constantly, you know, how do you get to the acceptance part <laughs> yes. of of that when it's just constantly happening for you over and over again and for Marcus because he's just so emotionally stunted and deals with everything in uh, this very aggressive way um, that that this is sort of the only outlet that he has, feels like he has uh, available to him. And for Riders of Justice, it's kind of about him coming to terms with that and and finding a more like ways to deal with it other (laughs) other than aggression. Um, 
kind of. I, I'd say we don't really see that in the movie, but it's implied that that's what happens. Yes, they, they are all spending time together. And at least once he knows that also, he doesn't go out seeking them again. They actually yeah. come to him and then he has to take care of the problem at home. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I do feel like toxic masculinity <laughs> is a feature yeah. in both movies. More overtly in Writers of Justice, I've, I'd say it's it's very, you know, upfront because you have Marcus who's this like very stoic, very aggressive, very, you know, the manliest man that you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen just packed on a bunch of muscle for, for this movie and he's got this like severe beard and, and like shaved head. Um, but... Uh, I don't know that it's really examined so much in Memento, but I do feel like it's it's still very much a part of uh, just kind of the DNA of, you know, like we said, the, the man seeking vengeance for his dead wife is just uh, in, a, in and of itself kind of a, a male power fantasy almost. Yeah, no, he has created this identity for himself. This yeah. is his entire personality. This is what he wants it to be. And when he is told that's not him, he could write that down. He mm-hmm. could tell himself he has killed this person and he could go on to be a different person. I mean, in the course of the film, we see even who he is, who we have seen him, like his car and how he is dressed and everything, the whole movie, he has taken from another man. It's Mm -hmm. not even who he is. This is who he has become and who he wants to be. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that's, that's what he wants. He wants to play detective and continue to be... I mean, I guess this even larger version of what was an insurance agent, but now he's a detective looking for the person who murdered his his wife. In in each movie, we are following groups of people that are maybe not well. Yeah. Like, everybody kind of has problems in Writers of Justice for a variety of reasons with yeah. how they cope with society or themselves or, you know, backgrounds and trauma and everything. And um, in Memento nobody's very great everybody is kind of like bad and gray and all this stuff and yeah so it's, we're on this sort of uh, the criminal element is is very much present in everyone it seems like there yes <laughs> i feel like there's not really a lot of people to root for like you're rooting for leonard most of the film and then at the end you're like oh <laughs> oh oh no yeah it's like okay so there's nobody good here nobody good here um and then just uh the last little thing i have is the is the name because we have leonard uh meaning brave lion Mm -hmm. as our lead in memento and then we have like leonard in writers of justice which i guess is lion born but like essentially the the same names we have two characters with the same name yeah yeah oh uh, there was one other thing i feel like there's there's a little bit of similarity there between uh, in both cases, you're st- sort of starting from a, a kind of a violent act and the, the train, uh, you know, crash in Writers of Justice and the, the all you know to be is, is a death <laughs> of somebody who's being shot to death in yeah. Memento and sort of working to try to, in uh, Writers of Justice, there are explicitly a couple of characters are sort of trying to make sense of it and what led to that happening. And in Memento, we're quite literally looking back at the series of events that led to <laughs> this happening. Um, and it, in both cases, it's kind of a, you know, it happened because it did <laughs> sort of thing. Like, uh, it, it wasn't really in Memento as this, like, you know, these clues that we think that we're following. It was that he set himself up to do this in the end. Yes. And in Writers of Justice, you know, we're explicitly told, like, you're looking for the connections where there aren't any uh, it, this just happened because that's how things happen sometimes. <laughs> yes, I actually have that, sorry, like two like theories that are written down. And yeah. yes, one would be statistics that you are following in Writers of Justice, which while gives them the wrong information, in general, I feel like is something that would normally be trustworthy. That, yeah. Like putting all of these things together, you could trust this in real life. Whereas in Memento, you also have this idea when he was an insurance agent that mm-hmm. he had this theory that Sammy Jenkins, like, not that he was, like, faking, but that he could learn things um, after the accident where he's not supposed to be able to retain any information, but he denied his insurance claim because he thought that he could learn afterwards, like, through repetition. And then, of right. course, with the end, we learn, like, oh, no, very much <laughs> that is not the case. 
he cannot learn. He's going to forget still. Mm-hmm. Um, but they both present these these ideas throughout the film of like these these theories of things. But mm-hmm. one I am I am fine with, even though it went wrong, and the other one I feel like is incorrect and also <laughs> went wrong. But yeah. All right, well, should we get into Memento first? Yes. Uh, okay, so I have a few things I wanted to talk about. One is our narrator. <laughs> <laughs> Just new meaning to unreliable narrator. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I made just, just uh, as the idea of him because he cannot create new memories because of his condition. Um, and this may be stuff we've kind of like gone over. Um, but the audiences only get pieces of information. We are learning things in the, just as Leonard is learning them as well. So we're, we're just like him. We can understand him. Um, but we assume for m- most of the movie that this is purely based on his condition. And he is trying to find the, the truth. That, mm-hmm. that he, the information that he has is true or that he is wanting to actually find the, tr- the truth for most of the, most of the movie. Um, but then as we go on, it's like we learn that his facts aren't correct. Even the tattoos on his body are not correct information. Um, and that, you know, while uh, his wife was raped and he was hit causing his condition john g did not murder his wife <laughs> he murdered his own wife <laughs> like accidentally through, through an, yes through an accident uh yes but that was actually his first murder <laughs> that he just doesn't know about so he's killed one more person he is searching for himself although that wouldn't be satisfying to him um but yes like his story about like sam yes that that's him and in the end when teddy tells him that he already killed you know john g uh and that he just forgot and that he's killed a bunch of john g's and he just can't remember that uh that would be tragic like understandably so you could probably still be on his side even though he's done this because he would forget but then because he chooses to forget and he's just like no you told me this information i reject your information i'm going to make you my new john g and i am going to hunt you and murder you and it's like Okay, so that's just yeah. Really I feel t- like yeah. it, maybe him saying that you're not a killer is, is the most anyone has ever been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Something like uh, I I know like it it is interesting because he doesn't just go right out and and kill him there. He just sets himself up to kill him later. Maybe because he's perpetuating this idea about who he is himself. Yeah, I think he wants to he wants to be on the hunt. He wants to believe that detective. it's righteous when he yes. does. It. Yeah um but uh man what a fucked up thing to do (laughs) yeah and i think that's part of it i think that's why teddy says it is because he doesn't seem like the type of person that he just wants to go out and murder like Mm -hmm. he is driven to get vengeance for the person that killed his wife but in general it's not like you think oh he just wants to go out and kill people that he's just going to throw himself into situations to murder people which is why teddy doesn't feel like he's in danger yeah (laughs) at that moment and says that about him um Yes, but he, I feel like you sympathize with him at other points in the movie that it's just like he genuinely loved his wife and she was taken from him. Um, And so you feel bad for him. And because of his condition, you, again, feel bad for him and you want him to have closure Mm -hmm. and uh, be able to find out who did this. And then it's just like, well... (laughs) You did, a, except for your condition, you did all of this to yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm just wondering in the end, like, how many people did he kill? <laughs> how many people has he killed? Yeah, we never we never get a, a real number from yeah. from Teddy, do we? He just says, you've, you've killed yeah. <laughs> a bunch of John G's. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's just a really interesting, it's a really interesting character uh, because of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. just something that I've I've never seen before and it's hard to get because you don't usually have like the detective with amnesia. I'm not like a big fan of amnesia necessarily in things. Mm-hmm. I feel like it can be a convenient way to just have people forget, but this is done so well and yeah. it's more like it's just a, a, a workaround for stuff versus, oh, he just has no memory so you can just throw whatever you want at the wall. Yeah. I will say I... I'm trying to remember if I had watched this before. Uh, or, sorry, I watched this. I know from around the time that it came out. I'm trying to remember if I had rewatched it before, or if this mm. was my first rewatch. Because I feel like I was a little like, uh, this is going to be boring knowing what the end is yeah. now going through it. But I didn't 
feel like it was. I felt I felt very much still engaged by the story. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's still really like it is kind of a gimmick in that you know, oh, the whole thing plays you know backwards and or just like the, his memory or whatever. But it makes sense <laughs> because your experience it uh, as the our narrator is basically um, that yeah, it's how you can you can be still sympathetic to him even knowing going in when you're rewatching it what he has done <laughs> yeah yeah on this journey on this journey with him yeah um but yeah so then the second thing i was going to talk about is the like the structure mm-hmm. of the film so christopher nolan says that the movie is linear uh because you can't remove any scenes uh, like the previous or the next scenes have and you have ever the movie watched i'm sure it exists has, have you ever watched a version that is the right way. Oh, in correct order? So yeah. <laughs> I have not watched it. There is. So um, this movie is currently on uh, HBO Max, but I have the DVD mm-hmm. for it, which is like a little case file on him. So it's got like little medical notes for him. Yeah. And oh, man. Remember when DVDs were like that? <laughs> I know. And this one. So this one, I feel like not having experienced like DVDs and stuff like that. This yeah. one is special in that the menu is a bunch of words. So Mm -hmm. to play the movie, you have to go to watch in all of these words. (laughs) That is the one that plays the movie. And there is a puzzle and uh, certain words that you can put together if you click on them in a certain order. And it will play the movie in chronological order. I I have not done that. But yes, (laughs) that is something that that you can do. And even just in finding to put on like the director's commentary, it's just like, it's then going to give you four options. You've got to (laughs) like figure out which one it is. So... um, Yeah, that's just a thing I haven't... Bring back fun DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) But he says that the movie is linear. Like, so if you take out the previous or the following scene, that the next one won't make sense. And that that way it denies you information just the way that Leonard is denied Mm -hmm. information in the film. Um, And then the majority of the movie is in color and is moving backwards and is subjective because you're seeing Leonard's point of view. But then we also have a black and white version portion that is moving forward and it's objective uh to start and then um like even oh like not hearing the other person like when i mean it's teddy but we we don't hear teddy on the phone like we are just observing what is happening Mm -hmm. to him like going forward um but then as the film goes on we start to see things that were in black and white and color and vice versa and it kind of like merges together we'll see like different versions of of the same scene and so that way uh there, it brings new meaning and it shows how he can manipulate his own memories um, or how he interprets, like, those memories within the, the structure of the film. And I thought that that was really neat. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I read down, just as, like, a, a lighter side mm-hmm. of things. Both of these films uh, deal with a lot of dark subject matter. Yeah. Writers of Justice still has a lot of, like, comedy in it, even though... Uh, <laughs> on wikipedia it is it is listed as an action comedy which i feel like is a stretch <laughs> like there's I, I feel like you hear action comedy and you think like rush hour or something like that like, yeah uh, this is a very dark very very dark action comedy it is it's yeah very yes um there's definitely comedy in it there's a, i feel like there's even actually a lot of comedy in yeah. Rise of justice but i i don't know if i would be quick to tell people that it was a comedy yeah say that there's comedy in it but there is a lot of heavy stuff that Mm -hmm. happens in that in that film memento is also dark but there's like much less comedy in it but there are like little moments yeah um that he has that christopher nolan i mean like while it is okay so we have like a serious like noir detective movie about murder and rape and memory loss Mm -hmm. um but he wanted to bring some lightness into it to break up the the repetition of like seeing you know all these mm-hmm. these things um so he has like these small moments like where he wakes up and he's like i don't feel drunk you know yeah. and he's just like <laughs> trying to piece together what's happening to him when he wakes up the bottle and then there's like i'm chasing this guy nope, nope. he's chasing, <laughs> he's chasing me, me. Yeah. just trying to like you know yeah there's there's humor in just him dealing with you know his condition uh and but also in some of the characters you know like like, Teddy's kind of a funny character he (laughs) is he just yeah he just like shows up and he's just kind of like happy you know it's just he's there uh and then the guy running the motel yeah when he finds out that he's been 
renting him multiple rooms. <laughs> and he's like, well, at least you're being honest about ripping me off. Yeah, he's like, you're not going to remember anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, I enjoy the, the little bits of, of comedy and sort of like situational things that happen yeah. uh, because of that. Um, so on to trivia. Oh, boy. <sighs> and I'm going to have to read a bit for some of this, but that's like the very <laughs> end. So uh, the medical condition experienced by Leonard in the film is a real condition called anterograde amnesia, the inability to form new memories after damage to the hippocampus. And during the 1950s, doctors treated some forms of epilepsy by removing parts of the hippocampus, resulting in the same uh, memory problems. Oh, God. Uh, so originally, the entire Sammy Jenkins story was told in one scene. Mm. However, Christopher Nolan felt the story... Um, and the Sammy Jenkins character was so important that he needed to spread it out over the course of the film's middle section. The scenes with Sammy and his wife were heavily improvised um, because Leonard's commentary was going to go over it. And then Leonard's commentary over the, the scenes themselves is also improvised. Oh. Which is a lot of improv for, hmm. for that whole section. But um, I do think it was, yeah, the right choice to sort of break that up into yeah. smaller scenes. Because even I remembered it as being all one scene. Um, I remember as, as I was watching and I was like, oh no, this is all sort of sprinkled throughout, which does sort of lend to a, yeah, the importance of Sammy Jenkins and, and, uh, sort of driving home. You, you feel like it's going to be a true story. <laughs> uh, and, and so the reveal at the end, then that, it, that he was sort of superimposing his own story onto this other guy, uh, sort of hits harder, I think, because of that. Yeah, it informs so much about the character because I feel like if yeah. it was just told as like one story, you would forget. You, like you'd be aware, and maybe it would just seem like, well, that was his life before, mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, well, it's also the condition he has now. But by continuing to bring it back, it shows kind of how he was an investigator before, which he's still an investigator now, and it sets up so much more of like, well, she was like hiding food around the house, and she would try to like starve him to see if he would find it, and it's like he wouldn't, so he cannot form new memories. It's like. You cannot form new memories. You keep forgetting that you are killing the same person in your mind yeah. over and over. So I just feel like it really reinforces that that story. Um, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky, who plays Sammy Jenkins, mm -hmm. uh, he stated that during his audition for Sammy, he had mentioned to Christopher Nolan that he had experienced amnesia personally. A few years earlier, he was given an experimental painkiller that induced amnesia for a surgery he'd undergone, and Tobolowsky thinks that that may have helped him get the part because there wouldn't be a lot of actors auditioning that had experience with amnesia. I mean, also, he's, you know. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't sell yourself short, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> uh, something more, you know, like uh, for us, I guess. The movie was filmed in Southern California in and around the Sunland and Tahunga area, and other driving scenes were filmed in Burbank on Victory Boulevard. Mm. So... <laughs> So my last bit of commentary is taken from the Film School Rejects website. So um, at an hour and 33 minutes into, into the director's commentary, there are four different commentaries that play over the last 20 minutes of the movie. The first one is accessed if you skip ahead to the last 20 minutes um, and turn on the, the commentary. And the others are if you play the whole thing all the way through, and then it will randomly jump to one of these other three okay. commentaries. <laughs> Some of this is a bit much, I will say. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like it's just, yeah, within it. It, it kind of makes sense when I read what they, what they are because I yeah. guess you'd only have to film the last 20 minutes, um, you know, four times. Well, I guess actually you'll only film three of them. So the first ending, uh, the commentary continues as normal with Nolan describing the blocking of Lenny walking down into the motel lobby and meeting Teddy. Nolan mentions the film is loaded with direct repetitions and echoes. And creates a kind of deliberate confusion in the mind of the audience to keep the audience on their toes, to keep them second-guessing what they have or have not seen. These two points are the same with the other three commentary endings, too. However, on this track, once Jimmy shows up at the abandoned building, Nolan's voice drops out, slows, and starts playing in reverse. And the commentary plays backwards for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> so the first commentary is just in reverse. Right. Um, the second ending, Nolan feels it's important to come to a scene of exposition where a disreputable character lays everything out and answers a lot of questions. <laughs> Nolan likes how, uh, with the structure of the film, the audience would be uh, at a different mindset about whether or not to believe this explanation. A lot of work uh, went in between Nolan Pierce and Pantoliano to get in as much information in the smallest amount of time possible. Nolan also points out that Joe Pantoliano filmed the scene at the end of the movie with a badly hurt back, which he sustained filming 
the shot where he is shot. Okay. Uh, the director mentions it important to realize uh, this scene is one of several similar conversations Teddy has had. But Lenny, like the audience, appears to be having it for the first time. Um, that this information is life-changing to him, but monotonous for Teddy. Mm-hmm. And like, that's interesting. So that's the, the second one. The third one, um, and the person who, like from Film School Rejects it, explained this, is like after a dozen attempts, he's like, you think I'm exaggerating? I still <laughs> couldn't get it. Like, he couldn't get it to pop up. Um, so this one indicates uh, that, so the information Nolan provides um, isn't that different. However, I do know that on this track where Nolan reveals Teddy is telling Lenny the truth about what really happened to his wife. So in this one, it's like, okay, Teddy's telling the truth. Mm. And then in the fourth one, <laughs> it's uh, Nolan reveals how untrustworthy Teddy is. <laughs> Nolan points out plainly that Teddy is a liar, has been lying through the entire film, and he has known Lenny for so long that he knows how to effortlessly push his buttons and get Lenny to do exactly what Teddy wants him to do. And so then this is, in, this is something he says in the commentary. What's interesting to me in terms of genre is that the scene of exposition occurs in so many other movies. It is a fairly standard device that the bad guy comes along at the end of the movie and gives us the exposition. Um, and to me, it's amazing how people don't question that character. They just accept the answers <laughs> because they're so desperate for answers in the story. Mm. So it's like, it's just funny with the comments. It's like, okay, so one is in reverse. <laughs> and uh, one is like just talking about like the different experience for the characters of how this is just like really monotonous and then just like mind blowing for one. And then it's just like, Teddy's a liar. <laughs> nope, Teddy's telling the truth. But it's just those four, those four different things, which I thought was a really interesting thing like within the commentary um just a lot of detail i guess like yeah. the rest of the dvd itself they had a lot of fun with that apparently yes yeah <laughs> anyway so writers of justice writers of justice yeah um so yes this is a fairly recent movie um that uh, we we watched this together for the first time yes yeah um because mads mickelson that's why and <laughs> he's great by the way i want yes. to say it friend he is so believable as this person in like military clothes mm-hmm. and this beard just being so intimidating and a killer and then also like with hannibal yeah just like refined and intelligent <laughs> and really expensive suits and just does not want you to be rude which he's so rude in this film <laughs> Um, yeah, speaking of, uh, I just made a note. Mads is the worst father ever. <laughs> yes. Like, they they really, they really hammer home at the beginning of this movie, or, or near the beginning, I guess, after, after his wife has died. Like, he, like, not only almost immediately after basically fat shames his own daughter um, and and rags on her about working out more because he thinks that she's too fat. Yep. Like, her mother has just died. <laughs> yeah, maybe running is not what she needs yeah. to be doing right now. And then when she's, like, you know, searching for some sort of meaning and, like, you know, talking about maybe an afterlife or something like that, he just is not having it. He's just, nope, there's nothing. She's not alone because she's not here. She's she's gone <laughs> yeah. for good. Just completely shut down any sort of, you know, just the least comforting <laughs> father figure you can imagine. Um, and then and then punches his, his daughter's boyfriend in the face <laughs> for telling him not to yell at her. <laughs> Yeah, and then when he's trying to apologize, he's like, oh, I didn't know it was your boyfriend, as if it were just a friend, it would be okay. Then it would be fine. He did that. Oof. Um. (laughs) But I do feel like we have to set up just how bad he is at this so that, like, we have this contrast with these other guys who come in, the these sort of analysts, uh, nerds, who are all a little off, you know? They're they're kind of, like... They either have some sort of traumatic past. One of them, um, I think Leonard, uh, is it was clearly like sexually abused in a barn at one point in his life, uh, and they just do not handle uh, situations well. <laughs> we see over and over again, but they also uh, regularly handle his daughter much better than he can himself. Kind of, yeah. So one of them calls her like a chubby little sausage or something like yes. that, which I feel uh, it, bad it, about. It's it strikes you as bad in the moment, but then you realize that he's trying to teach her to not fear being fat, basically, and yes. to just accept, you know, 
Like, th- there's no reason that you should feel bad about this. Yes. <laughs> which, which I think is a good lesson. I wouldn't exactly call the movie body positive in, in, in general, but... <laughs> But that scene, I, I, I on rewatch worked better for me. I think because yeah. I was like, oh, okay, he's just like, just being like, hey, th- what, th- like, why are you? Would you be scared of being fat? What's wrong with that? Yeah, they all have very different personalities and different ways of yeah. handling things, and they all have certain things that they are good at. Mm-hmm. They are all bad at, at certain <laughs> things, and they are all good at certain things. Yes, um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like that's sort of what lends to the movie being almost about what it is to be a man and masculinity because you have you know mads and then you have all these other different guys even her boyfriend is like sort of the ultimate like uh you know sort of sensitive mm-hmm. <laughs> guy his, yeah. his mother is a psychologist and he just wants everybody to like talk about their feelings yeah. and <laughs> and basically everybody is trying to get mads to talk about his feelings in this movie which he refuses to do um or marcus i'm just gonna call him mads that's fine um <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you also have elements of this sort of, you know, this anger, this need for revenge in some of the other guys in particular, um, uh, Emmenthaler, um, who like has this real anger issue. Like anytime something upsets him, he will, he will get very angry. And he, when they're going through the scene where, uh, Matt's is sort of teaching them how to use guns. He's kind of a natural at it. <laughs> like yeah. he like takes to it very well. Um, and you think like, oh, okay, this is maybe going to be somebody who can help him out on this like revenge quest. Yeah. Um, only for the first time that he's faced with actually pulling the trigger on somebody, he he can't do it. Um, and you sort of see that contrast between like it's one thing to, you know, put on this this sort of brave face and 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 say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go take my own revenge and then be faced with actually killing somebody. Um, and in that regard, I feel like you, you kind of see similar to in Memento, the difference between like a killer and not a killer. Yeah. <laughs> like Mads is very much a killer. Um, and it, while we do eventually see all these guys take lives at the end, um, they definitely would not have done so without being forced into that position. Yeah, yes, they they had to to do something, yeah. um, essentially to save themselves and and other people that they care about. Um, yeah, which also, well, what's your opinion on this? I'm. Do you think that the the sort of message of the film and the the sort of futility of the revenge and and the all this is sort of undercut by. Uh, the day essentially being saved by a hail of gunfire. <laughs> oh, at the end? Yes, and like all these nerds having to take up arms and and kill a bunch of people. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I guess, because the thing is that I feel like it, it, it doesn't it doesn't want to push the message of like toxic masculinity. I yeah. feel like Mads is almost the person that is always wrong throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. There are certain times where it seems like it is necessary but we didn't have to, like, in the very beginning, it's like we try to do math to figure out this thing. Unfortunately, uh, it has failed us, mm-hmm. which drove him to Mads to kill his like, first person that we see, right? I mean, he would, I assume, in the in the military. But, yes, like, in the in the house going to, to see the brother yes. um, person. It's just, like, it may seem, or, like, at the end, uh, or I guess the, whenever he's killing people, it may seem like he is driven to those moments. Um, but other than that, he cannot cope and deal with his life. And I feel like he's getting frustrated with the people around him. And he can't really function mm-hmm. outside of being almost a tool in this one way. Yeah. And I feel like through the help of his like ragtag group of people that really have their own problems and all need to kind of be like fixed or helped in some way, mm-hmm. he is able to bond with his daughter and get past that and I feel like break through um I mean even find out the information that his this whole like need for revenge was false it didn't actually happen yeah and then he destroys that that bathroom um he finally can can break down and actually um be vulnerable to, mm-hmm. in front of Otto and like kind of develops a friendship even though he pushes back a little bit which I think is good it seems realistic that he's not just going to have 
some gigantic change overnight that it's just like a sure. breakthrough and there's going to be like a slow thing. But yes, it, in the end, at least he is working on that with his daughter. He does have a group of friends. I feel like then also Otto is not so alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Leonard because he he's just kind of like quirky in that way. Like he... <laughs> He, okay, in, in the same way that, are we saying, Emmenthaler, what are we saying that his, I, I'm tough with that name. Yeah, something like our, that. Our tech, our, te- our tech person, I feel yeah. like he's quick to anger, but is good at like solving problems, like solving puzzles. Yeah. He's our computer guy. He can assemble the, the gun very quickly. He just, he can solve problems like in that way, but he's maybe not the best at communicating or dealing with other, other people. Um, and then you have... Um, Leonard, who's just uh, kind of can't read a situation, is going to like say something that maybe he shouldn't, can't see when people are upset and he should stop talking and he doesn't, um, maybe says like the wrong thing. So him so much, I think it might just be nice that he has he has friends, but maybe is the the least that has like a problem that necessarily needs yeah. kind of like fixing and stuff. But even then we get the, like the French horn and we also have... Um, I wrote his name down. Uh, he was the human table. Oh, gosh. Um, yes, the... Badashka? <laughs> yeah, um, the guy who was sold into sex slavery. <laughs> yes. Um, he also has now found people that are not just going to treat him like garbage. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad that he has people that he can hang out with and that don't have to use him. And he seems the most kind um and like to the daughter and just trying to to help out um yeah. which is nice it really is a, a found family movie i guess yeah. uh above all else and in that regard like if we view more the the scene at the very end the epilogue i guess mm-hmm. as sort of the culmination of the film rather than you know them <laughs> all taking up guns and and shooting all the bad guys uh then i think it works and i do think that the scene where they you know take out all the bad guys works emotionally i'm just i'm kind of torn on it like thematically i guess as this sort of um you know in in a movie where we're we're kind of hammering home the whole time that like oh this you know just beating everything up with a blunt instrument is Mm -hmm. not the best way to go about dealing with your trauma (laughs) you know yeah violence is not the violence is not the answer even though we all were here to watch this fun uh action film uh, in the end i feel like violence is not the answer to solve your problems yeah I do just want to do like a quick shout out to the cinematography because I love that in the beginning of the film, Mads is so often framed in these very stark scenes where he's sort of at the center of this like wide shot where he's very alone. And Mm -hmm. so then, you know, we see him and the movie surrounded by all these people and it's very sweet. I like that. Yes. (laughs) And then I don't have a whole lot in the way of trivia. Uh, Mads did actually... Uh, bash his head against a mirror <laughs> for that scene in the oh, bathroom yeah. um and he basically was just like i'm just gonna go for it they did put like a thing on the mirror so that it wouldn't like shatter and like uh, scatter basically fall so, away. Okay. yeah so it wouldn't fall away um but he for real bashed his head up against it uh and he had wanted to do it four times but he was only able to do it twice um and then just they basically just that whole scene of him beating up the bathroom is is they just kind of let him go to town um and he talked about how he thought that the towel thing would it seemed very weak and he thought it would come off yes, and then and it, it did not yeah <laughs> and, and they kept him struggling yeah. with that in because it feels very real it does yeah <laughs> okay should we talk about menu yes we can talk about some food um so there is not a lot of food uh, in Memento. Yeah, I forgot to write anything down. And then I'm like, was there anything other than beer with spit in it? <laughs> so, yeah. So we have our, our spit drink. Uh, there's the bottle he's holding in the bathroom. Uh, she is drinking coffee at the diner when he goes uh, to meet mm-hmm. Natalie. And then Teddy takes him to have lunch where he does not eat soup. But there is soup in front of him. And Teddy eats the soup. Um and I had talked to originally, I was thinking about doing like a burrito because now burritos have like cheese crust on the outside and you can do like eggs around the inside so it would be out of order or they even have 
for <laughs> keto diets, they have tortillas burritos. And I thought it was like a fun idea that you would just be missing something. Mm. But um, because they are having soup and it was actually producer Ryan's idea that if like you're missing something that like two things would kind of get merged together. I guess kind of like the um, like the friends trifle with Rachel where she's like, okay. keeping stuff together. <laughs> Um, but the idea that you would just be like missing pieces so everything kind of doesn't fit together quite right. So I was going to make um, a soup, like a tomato soup, with the croutons as like sandwiches. So instead of like a soup and a sandwich, mm-hmm. that it would be like sandwich pieces on top as croutons within the the soup. So it's just like a kind of like lost in translation sort of thing. Of, uh, yeah. So something that still goes together, like but it. you're clearly Trippy. missing information. Yeah. <laughs> So. Well, probably the most prominent food in Writers of Justice is the sandwich and juice that the <laughs> that Otto becomes obsessed with because the man got off the train throwing both of them away and nobody does that. And then the reveal later that he just did it because he's he was visiting from out of town and did not like the food yeah. is uh, heartbreaking and hilarious <laughs> yeah. in that moment. Um, so yeah, you could make a sandwich and uh, and have some... I, I have to think that it was probably a soda and it got translated as juice for some reason. Like, who gets juice? Who, what adult gets juice? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe like a maybe like a healthy juice. Maybe. You know, like a green juice or something like that. Like a fresh squeezed juice. Um, but I mean, it could just be a, a soda. I'm, I would bet that, it, that it's actually soda yeah. and it just got translated into... Yeah, this is a Danish movie, remember, so yeah. <laughs> we're reading subtitles. Um, also, he, uh, Mads tries to make uh, eggs and rye bread for his daughter and uh, offers to make her spaghetti bolognese, which she scoffs at because it's kids' food, apparently, <laughs> which I didn't know. I'll eat spaghetti. <laughs> I didn't either. I mean, I think it's funny that just that, that version of him is offering to make it also like for her boyfriend as like right. a peace offering. Like he yes. punched him in the face, he but if him. he makes him spaghetti, it's going to fix it. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like uh, sandwiches are the way to go. Yeah. There's also the uh, the banana cake that they're yes. going to go out they're and gonna, do gonna... all their murder. And then <laughs> after they just... after, after they commit their, their, their murders, yeah. they're going to come back for banana cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really want to eat that banana cake. <laughs> huh. And now, uh, for my question for you, we're going to play a little memory game. Oh, boy. Um. So you are going to be, I'm going to be reading uh, 10 different little things to you, and then you are making essentially a shopping list at the end um, to test your memory. Okay. So, all right. As you reach to turn off the alarm, you find that it has turned, (laughs) sorry, that it is a strawberry. You walk on the floor and find eggs under your feet. As you reach to turn on the light, you notice tomatoes growing around it. You look out the window and spaghetti covers the glass. <laughs> In the bathroom, you find rice around the toilet. While brushing your teeth, bandages cover the sink drain. While grabbing pants, you find mustard all over your drawer. You look up and see pizza stuck to the ceiling. As you open the door to leave, grapes grow around the knob. Leaving your home, you see a fence made of cheese. All right, take a few moments to burn these images into your brain, and then we are going to take a test. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to fail. I don't like tests. All right, here you go. You can try to select all the things that you remember. Bandages. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Wait, where? Cheese. Correct. Eggs. Correct. Uh, mm, so much, too much stuff. Oh gosh. Uh, strawberries. Correct. Tomatoes. Correct. Um, <laughs> mustard. Correct. Uh, pizza. Correct. Uh, Three more. God damn it. Spaghetti. Correct. Was it almonds? 
No. No. <laughs> the secret word is... <laughs> Too much pressure. I can't. Take your time. <laughs> we can cut this down and make it shorter anyway. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it's just essentially... Incorrect. <laughs> no. Do you remember which ones they were? Case? No. Well, I'll just yeah. tell you. What did I miss? Rice and grapes. Grapes. Oh, rice. That's right. All right. Well, yeah. you did really good. Though. I mean, eight out of ten is not bad. So you get to play now, right? <laughs> I did it once last night. Well, I wasn't here for last yes, night. Yes, that's so. true. All right. <laughs> yeah, we can redo it. All right. Let's play. Okay. As you reach to turn off the alarm, you find that it is actually a lime. You walk on the floor and find a toilet paper at your feet. As you reach to turn on the light, you notice peas underneath it. You look out the window and a crab is cleaning the glass. In the bathroom, you find eggs stuck to the walls. While brushing your teeth, corn appears in the sink. While grabbing pants, you find peppers all over your drawer. You look up and see tomatoes growing around the ceiling fan. As you open the door to leave, you see it covered in popcorn. Leaving your home, you see ketchup dripping down a fence. <laughs> she lost it already. Catch up. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Let's go. Okay. Ten seconds. All right. So I have time to forget. <laughs> it's nice that they throw all these images yeah. on the screen, also, to just like in case you don't have any of it in your. And now all I see is a pizza. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Gotta remember to, to forget. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Lime. Correct. Uh. I feel like there was a tomato. Crab. Correct. Uh. Corn. Correct. Uh, peas. Correct. Um, all right. Ketchup. Uh, Correct. Okay. Um, think there was, okay. Oh, peppers. Peppers. Correct. Um, okay. Gosh, I don't know. Oh, toilet paper. Correct. Okay. Um, Oh, I should probably whisper, right? That's good for a podcast because <laughs> if I just like whisper my thoughts, I think is really helpful. Oh, popcorn. Correct. Okay. I don't know why tomatoes is in my brain and I want to select it, but there is like nothing from this top selection section that I have selected. Ah, uh, was one of them bread? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to select it, but that's probably wrong. Select what? Bread. Bread. Okay. Um, and then for some reason, because I keep saying tomatoes, even though that doesn't really make sense, I'm selecting tomatoes. Okay. Okay. Oh, Proceed to check out. Um, okay. So I did nine. Oh, eggs. It was okay. eggs. Okay. <laughs> Which one was I wrong about? Bread. 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 Okay. All right. Okay. All Good right. job. I think we did well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... That was tough. Never again. <laughs> I hope you had an okay time with that. Yeah. <laughs> doing the memory test. Uh. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up here? Uh, I don't think so. I think we can close the book on Revenge Gone Wrong. Okay. All right. <laughs> then do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the um, theme for the next episode is? Yes. So you can find us... Uh, on instagram at movie underscore matchup uh and some of our recipes on sugarednerd.com and tune in for our next episode where the theme will be kids seal of approval and remember say you lie to yourself to be happy there's nothing wrong with that we all do it